Hello, everyone. Happy um, day to you, whatever day you are listening. It's um, Show and Tell the Podcast. Stacey and Monty here with you. Hello. Mel is, um, she's got a really bad back. Her back keeps yeah. going on her. She does, doesn't she? Yeah, she's got a bit bad of a luck. Bit of a bulging mm. disc, that one. Oh, yeah. She's a um, bulge, bulge. Don't take back pain lying down, they say. <laughs> but she's lying down. <laughs> oh, yeah, she sure is. Um, so, I mean, normally we just get in here and we chat about, um, you know, <laughs> the most meaningless of stuff, but we can't today. No, we can't. There's too much going on and we're all obviously so unbelievably affected with what is going on um, and I think we're confronted. Yeah. More than more than anything, I think people are starting to realise how absent-minded they were and how clicked off they were from it. Totally. It's just, that, it's just the nature of it. You get on with your life and you don't realise because you're not affected. No, which is absolutely what white privilege is. Yeah, it is. And yeah. deep in, I, I wrote a piece about white privilege. If you haven't read it, it's on showandtowelonline.com.au. It was the most confronting piece I've ever written, the hardest piece I've ever written because I just sat in the uncomfortable mm. of how unbelievably privileged I am. Yeah. Because and of the know it. And didn't know it yeah. because of the colour of my skin. And I'm like, yeah, my brother and sister are half Asian and I dated a black guy and so I'm not racist. That's mm. kind of what I yeah. he had in my head. No, yeah. I'm not racist. You're not I don't seeing colour or cult- – like you're not seeing it yourself. No, but that is not enough. No. And just the more I delve into it, I go, wow, it's like almost you're, you're coming awake a bit and yeah. it's fucking full on. Yeah, it is. And I did the 3 p.m. pickup yesterday and I might play that break I did with Yumi just because I think like a lot of people resonated with it just feeling very Mm. vulnerable and very exposed um, and how uneducated we really are in the work Mm. that we have to do. And I got extremely emotional because I'm embarrassed. It's fucking embarrassing how little we know about stuff. And just because we can choose to not know. Exactly. And if you are a person of colour, you can't choose to because your days look differently. Mm -hmm. People look at you differently. You have different everything. Mm. Like, you know, even the smallest thing of finding a Band-Aid that suits your colour skin or a concealer that suits your skin. Mm. You just don't think about the million times a day (laughs) where we are so unbelievably privileged. Um, So it's consuming our thoughts and most probably yours as it is dominating the news cycles. So we were like, okay, we want to speak to a couple of people and we've reached out and um, uh, one of my uh, best mates, Zach, lives in America. Mm. He's an Aussie guy living in America. And I said, Zach, who, who do you know who would be great to chat to us? And he um, has put me in touch with a guy called Pablo who we're going to give a call. It, it's He lives um, – it's like going to be 9.30 where he is oh, yep. now. Mm-hmm. Um and he is a gay man. He's Argentinian. He's married a white American man. And they adopted a, um African-American boy 11 years ago called Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just going to hear from him. Like, what is it like bringing up an African-American when you yourself aren't? Neither mm. is your partner. How mm. does he educate his son on his culture? Yeah. On racism, on how to deal with it? Mm-hmm. And um, they're a minority too, really. Argentinians. I mean, gay. Oh, a gay? Yeah, they've uh, got a lot going on in the mate, house. He, and apparently he rides a tricycle. I'm like to my friend Zach, this man <laughs> literally falls into every single minority. <laughs> <laughs> Who better um, to talk to? Yeah, so – and also I just think the more people we talk to, if we grab one bit of gold that we go, okay, well, this is how we can talk to our kids a bit mm. or this is what we – you know, I don't know. We're just all fucking figuring this out as we go yeah. – well, it's, it's just important that we acknowledge that there's more to be learnt and there's more to do, you know, yeah. and we just have to keep educating ourselves. 
I feel so exhausted because I feel I can't stop now. I know. And I've been this going. This is you, though. This is what you do. You find something and you obsess over it until you've gotten to set yourself to a point where you're content again. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a good thing to obsess over. Yeah. But you're also actioning things. So you've got to, like, give yourself a break to at some point because you're going to fry yourself. I'm, I'm so As long as you're fried. actioning things and yeah. educating yourself, teaching your kids, it starts in your own house. As long as you're doing those things, you're doing the right things. You know, you can't I, cure it overnight, which is what she's actually trying to yeah, do. Yeah, I want to, obviously <laughs> want it all fucking fixed now. I wish race didn't exist. Yeah, no. Do you know what I mean? I wish yeah. that was well, just, 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 it's just oh. crazy. So I get overwhelmed and I feel extremely articula- inarticulate mm. and that's where I feel I come undone in times like this because I'm, like everyone, I'm nervous to say the wrong thing. Yes. I can't find the words. All I know is I have this overwhelming feeling to get better, to make yes. a change, to be a better ally um, to people of colour, to it's our Indigenous like, family. We just want to know how to how to speak about it properly too. Like even just watching the Today Show and stuff and you're watching them talk even about Carl it. Even Carl bumbling so around. So uncomfortable. They're yeah. bumbling around just yeah. in case they slip up when it doesn't mean they're racist. It just means they're not aware enough yeah. to know what words to use, which is us. We don't know what's acceptable to say and not say. Yeah. So we're just so careful about what drops out of our mouths. Yeah, and I think that's being so careful about what to say means a lot of us just shut up. Yeah. And that's, that's the right. last thing we should it be is. doing at the moment. It is. It's a lack of education too though, like in us researching the right things. Hey, did you learn much about Indigenous history when you were at school? I remember learning about it. Yeah, I do. I'm yep. learning more through my eight-year-old now with what he is learning. Yeah, but you know what? He might feel the same too one day. It's, I think it's that classic case of you, you're hearing it when you're a kid but you're not understanding the importance of it when no. you're a kid. So does it stick? I don't think it does. I think it's later when you're like, oh, hold on. Yeah. That was important because think about how much you learn. Like it's not like you know how to do a fraction, mm. you know, like or, a, you know, the layout of a proper mathematical problem. I think it's more just that, just you know, they're young and less seeps in. Um, but that's why we have to keep educating, educating them in our homes. In ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, All that's right. right. So we're going to give Pablo a call now. Hello. Hey, Pablo, thank you for um, taking the time to chat to us. I know it's late over there and you're probably ready to get into bed in Miami, Florida. It's a pleasure talking to you guys and thank you for reaching out. Oh, no, thank you. So, Pablo, you're, um, let's just get all of your story. You're um, Argentinian and you moved to America 20 years ago. Um, Correct. So, you in your, you're a minority as well um, in many ways, really. You're a gay man, an Argentinian man. Um, what was mm-hmm. it like for you 20 years ago when you moved to the States? Have you experienced much racism yourself? Um, it was quite interesting. As a matter of fact, I'm also Jewish in order right. to add to the mix. <laughs> yes. So it was, it's funny because when, when I was a kid back in Argentina, I was very, um, I was scared about anti-Semitism and all the stories about the Holocaust and Nazism. And when I started to get over that when I was a teenager and I started to gain confidence and understand better the world, uh, I started to have uh, to realize that I was gay and in a straight world and that wasn't easy. And when I finally started to feel comfortable in my own skin, mm. I moved to the U.S. and I became an immigrant, a South American immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when I was kind of getting over that, uh, I became a father, which is, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I have three kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and the oldest, the two oldest 
kids are my stepsons, but I call them my kids. They are from my husband's previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And together we adopted uh, our youngest, who now is 11, who is Dylan, and he's black. And it's interesting because uh, how in every single stage of my life I could identify with a minority that faced some kind of, if it's not straightforward discrimination, it's at least um, some kind of, sometimes it's hate, sometimes it's just plain, simple dislike, you know? Right, right. Uh, so when you decided to um, adopt your son, Dylan, 11 years mm-hmm. ago with your husband, um, did you did you think, okay, we're going to um, adopt an African-American boy and did you have to do any education around that? Because I just, being a white woman and um, if I was to bring an Indigenous person uh, you know an indigenous baby into my house it's kind of like mm-hmm. a, a feel would feel like an an extra amount of responsibility almost did you feel that yes big time it's funny that you mentioned that i was thinking a couple of days ago even before i knew i was going to talk to you i had a flashback to one of my first conversations with our family lawyer uh, and she asked me she asked us uh, what do you want? And when she asked that question, this is a very cool, progressive woman. I said, what do you mean by what do I want? I want to adopt a child. And she said, no, about specifics. Do you, are you looking for anything in particular? And the question took me aback. And I said, I don't understand your question. And she says, well, I need to ask you in case there's something you specifically want or something that you specifically do not want. Wow. Some mm-hmm. people sometimes have choices. And I was perplexed because I was so desperate to be a father mm-hmm. that I would have taken a Mr. Potato Head. I, like, <laughs> all, I wanted, uh, all I wanted is to have children. I wanted to be called Papa, Daddy. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to have a child. And when she asked me that question, I and she meant well. She was just doing her job. She wasn't yeah. doing anything wrong. And I look at her and I said, I don't care. It could be a boy or a girl. It could be like black, white, brown, polka dotted. I, I, I just, I don't know, but if you want me to be specific, I would like a black boy. Mm. And then when I received the call that there was a baby available for adoption and that it was a black boy, I got so excited. I mm-hmm. didn't think about this statement that much. I got very excited. And of course, you know, and it was like a... a like like a delivery baby, you know, it was like I got a phone call at 11.45 a.m. and I had a baby in my arms by 5.15 p.m. Oh, my god! So I didn't have much time to prepare or anything. Mm. I started to notice that I adopted a black kid and I noticed because the rest of the world made me notice. Yeah, right. I started to notice that people I don't know, right. yeah. people would stop me on the street to ask me the question, why did you adopt a black kid? Oh. Was it mostly and black people that would stop you and ask you? Anyone. Right. I must admit one thing that the only common denominator with this strange interaction was 90, no, 80% women. Yeah. I don't know exactly why. I think there is a connection between motherhood and thinking that this it's okay to ask those questions to a stranger. Right. Mm. Um, and to make statements that are bluntly laced 
with racism, mm. even if you don't know it. Mm. So I did have to educate myself. I noticed that I got myself into something much bigger mm. than I have ever thought. Black people started to say hi to me on the street. Right. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize that I, oh, I didn't only adopt a son or a child. I also adopted a new culture mm-hmm. and a new history into my own history. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's I pretty had special. To, That's pretty is. amazing, isn't it? To go, wow. Like, what? I love it. Yeah, I love it that course. black people have embraced me in a way that I never thought was possible. Uh, I've never been a racist. Mm. But once I had my kid, I started to feel guilt for not understanding earlier on how difficult this was for black people. Mm. You can be uh, many things, but most of them, that's not the first thing that people think about you when they see you when you're black. That's the first thing that people think about yeah. you and they immediately associate it mostly to negative qualities. Yeah. Especially if you're a man. Yeah. Yeah, again, I've never really thought about that because you're right. When I look at somebody who's white, it doesn't, it isn't the first thing that comes to my head, especially in Australia, Pablo. We have um, uh, an indigenous population. Um, who uh-huh. uh, it, it is such a small amount here that I my children have barely seen a black person mm. in real life uh-huh. ever. Um, and so, you know, even for myself in my head, whether I know it or not, if I see a black person, that's what pops in my mind. First thing, there's a black person. Like mm. literally an internal thought, um, yeah. which yeah. if I walk past a white person, that's not a thought in my head. That is far from the first thing that pops into my mind. I noticed. Being gay, being Jewish, being an immigrant, being South American, uh, those are those things imply some level of a challenge. Right? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. some challenge there that you have to overcome. Mm. But it doesn't compare to the burden of being black, at least in America. And yeah. in many countries, having a different skin color implies there is an assumption of lesser human qualities to that person. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes it comes in a in the form of violence, like the episode with Mr. Floyd a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes it comes as just a thought mm-hmm. or a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Pablo, your um, son goes to quite a prestigious school. He, he's one of the only black children in the school as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. And he, so, he, yeah, how does he handle it and how does, does he feel being around, I guess, being in a family where no one looks like him and being at a school where no one looks like him? It's been a challenge. Uh, We had to consciously make the decision to try to expose Dylan, my youngest, to more black people so he could be around people that look like him. And I don't like that thought. Yeah, right. And I I, I had no other option. Yeah. Luckily enough, we have really good friends that we made by accident that are black, and that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there times when you have to ask them certain things? Hell yeah. Really? Uh, like what kind of stuff, Pablo, is it that you would reach uh, out to them for? It can go as simple as teach me how to deal with his hair Yeah. Mm-hmm. to uh, skin. 
Pablo, you mentioned that there's some challenges that happen with schooling and stuff. Do do you mind telling us what some of those challenges would be or have been? We had several incidents. Uh, And uh, none of them were significantly evident as racist acts. Mm -hmm. There's some level of what you could call unconscious bias that Mm. can happen sometimes where my son, my son is a brilliant, brilliant. He's a really good kid at school. He loves school. Mm-hmm. Lucky him, he loves school because it wasn't my case when I was his age. <laughs> he loves school. He loves to show up every day, to show up on time and to do his homework and to comply with everything. He loves to play by the rules. Right. And every teacher he's had so far has adored him because mm-hmm. he is very curious, active. Mm-hmm. He talks 10 times more than me, which is a lot. <laughs> and he... The teacher within a week called us for a conversation because she was worried about his behavior. And we said, okay, so tell us because we've never had this issue before. Oh, you must have heard about it. And she started to, she couldn't be specific. And then within two weeks, she said that his behavior got much better, but nothing changed at home. And the first thing that my husband said was, she's racist. Uh I'm like, no, she's not racist, I said. And she, he said, she's racist. Racist, she just doesn't know it yet. Uh-huh. And uh, then a few weeks later, they were taking a test. And during the test, she could see how the kids were doing. And she texted both of us to tell us that he was doing poorly in the te- with the test and that she was very concerned. And my first question to her was, are they done with the test and have you checked what's the score? And she said, no, not yet. And that's when I got the confirmation. She's just assuming that because my son is a black boy, he's, he misbehaves more than other kids. Mm-hmm. And he's not as smart as other kids. My mm-hmm. son went through the test perfectly fine. Wow, but she messaged you during it with concern. And then... There's nothing I can tell the teacher or the principal because there's no evidence of any any wrongdoing. We had other incidents where other kids, another kid called the N-word, called my son the N-word, and the school took both of, you know, stuff happened. Mm -hmm. These are kids. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, uh, and my son forgave the kid right away because the kid cried at the principal's office. And I, said, I asked him, how do you know that he cried? He said, because I was taken to the principal's office too. And that's when I lost it. Mm-hmm. And I went to school and I asked the principal, why did you take the victim to the principal's office? Mm-hmm. I want an explanation. Mm-hmm. Why are you putting the spotlight on someone who's mm-hmm. already been in the spotlight in the school? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you talk to the parents? As I said to a friend of mine that reached out a few days ago to check on us because of all these situations, and I said, for us, every day Mr. Floyd dies. Every yeah. day is a racist day. Yeah. I have to keep that in the back of my head all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has, how has your son taken to seeing what's going on in the news at the moment? He made me smile big time. He heard Mr. Floyd's brother speaking to the media and asking the demonstrators to please do it in peace. Oh. to not to engage in looting and violence. Mm. 
-hmm. And the next day he said to me, we were riding my car together and he said, I really like how George Floyd's brother talked. Mm. We talk about how unfortunate and unfair it is that a black man has to be more careful in many ways. Mm. I had to give him the tools to survive in the future. I had to tell him that even though it hurts and it's wrong, he cannot wear a hoodie at night. Oh, wow. And I had to have that conversation when he was eight. And he said, but that's unfair. And I said, I didn't tell you that it's fair. I'm just telling you that it's safer. Sometimes you have to have those conversations Mm -hmm. and you have to look at them in the eyes and explain to them that it's not your fault, not their fault, but that's the reality. And they better be ready to deal with things that are going to come their way that are unfair and wrong. Yeah. Pablo, with, um, you know, you've, you've obviously have constant conversations with your son, um, like you just mentioned. What advice do you have to other people, like Stacey and myself, who have white children who, you know, and also for us, the conversations we should be having with our children around race and how, and basic respect, human respect. What is it that you would suggest that we do to be better allies for people like your son? Uh, It's a great question, and I appreciate and I thank you for taking the time to educate your kids and yourself Mm. uh, on make this place a better world. Um, Mm. Love them. I think that most people that are loved, it's very difficult for them later on to hate. I think that paying attention to children and, and listening to them and loving them is the first and most significant step to make sure that they are loving and listening adults when they grow up. Yeah. That would be probably the first one. Yeah. And the second one is don't wait until kids ask questions in this case. So when it comes to racism and hate and discrimination, I think that leading by example and talking to them even if when they didn't ask is the right thing to do. Exposing mm. them to different cultures mm. and making them feel and see that embracing someone else's culture is only going to make you wealthier. Again, I think that the best advice is love them, listen to them, lead by example, Mm -hmm. and explain to them how unfair the world is. And it's one of the easiest ways to do this for me has been through movies. Yeah, what movies would you suggest for us and our listeners? Like what ones did you go, okay, this is great messages in this oh this is probably the gayest advice i've ever gave but <laughs> the, one of the best movies to tackle this issue is the sound of music yeah oh, yes. right um because yeah. it's about seeing the, the the threat of hate coming your way it's about putting a family together even though it's not necessarily a blood related family mm-hmm. and being understanding and overcoming it and uh I, I that was the first movie that made him ask me questions he even asked me questions he said one day that we needed to protect the nazis mm. and i said and i laughed and i said why would you protect the nazis and they he said you said it's a very small group so they are a minority too uh, wow. and it blew my mind yeah. it blew my mind that doesn't mean that we went out and 
hundred Nazi flag at the entrance of the house. No, but just for him to draw the comparison of a minority group, although a horrible one, you know. Um, It's a horrible one. Yeah. (laughs) Politics is something you choose. You choose who you support because it aligns with your ideology. Um, Discrimination is when you're against something that the other person didn't choose. Mm-hmm. And it's something that makes the other person more beautiful, whether it's their identity, their background, or their origin, right? Yeah. So uh, again, The Sound of Music is one of the, I think, one of the greatest movies to understand uh, diversity. And any uh, any show or movie, uh, my son loves now an Australian TV show called The Investigator. I find amazing that he loves it and the cast is five kids that are from different corners of the world okay right and the the strong leader in that group it's a girl Mm -hmm. and it makes me very happy that he's learning that uh women rule too you know (laughs) in in those shows it's that's very rare to find the teaching never stops does it never and teaching educating myself I'm learning. I'm learning too. Maybe I didn't need to learn that much about not hating black people, but I definitely needed to learn about how bad it was for black people. Yeah. And still is, yeah. clearly. Yeah. And how difficult it still is for women. Yeah. For people with an accent. Totally. Yeah. And uh, that's um yeah, one of one of the reasons to chat to you today, Pablo, just to you know, get a, another perspective, somebody who is um, bringing up a, um, a beautiful, strong African-American boy and um, and just how, yeah, you know, just your little advice of what movies to watch and um, and, and just what reality is like mm, for, yeah. for many people. So thank you. You have um, been a delight to talk yeah. to. I hear that you ride a oh. tricycle on a side note because you can't ride a bike. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I have. I have now. I know why. I found out recently. I have a congenital deformation in the inner ear, something that I never oh. knew, and that doesn't allow me to have proper balance. Oh, so, uh, yes. I ride a tricycle with him, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you for what you are doing. I uh, there are few things that I I've been looking at what you guys do, and to give me an opportunity to do some to to speak. And maybe help someone understand mm. that we can make a better world. I truly thank you for mm. what you do and whatever you need in the future, please uh, reach out to me. I'll be happy to help you. Oh, oh. thank you, mate. Thanks, Thanks um, for your time tonight. I said it'd be 10 minutes and it was a bit more than awesome. that. Quite a lot more than that. <laughs> so um, get, you can get off to bed now. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. What a lovely dude. He was great, wasn't he? Oh, he was so sweet. I want to meet him. Me too. And I want to hug his little boy, Me Dylan. Too. I want to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to get out of here today and we'll get more chats um, happening over the next few weeks. I also am so conscious that this is such light relief usually for you that we will continue to bring that too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you yeah. just need a break from the heaviness of what is going on. Um, before we go, make sure you hit us up on our social show and tell online. Also, you can message Stacey, Stacey at showandtellonline.com.au. We love hearing from you. There she goes again. Got some singing in the podcast. <laughs> Didn't sing at the start. 
too serious today. <laughs> um, we hope you got something out of that with beautiful Pablo. That was awesome. Um, yesterday on the 3pm pickup, uh, I did the show with Yumi, who is um, my co-host, and there was a really raw and honest and vulnerable break that happened. I didn't realise that I was going to get so emotional on air. Um, but I, I have heard from so many people who listen to the show just saying how they did connect with it because they are also sitting in this uncomfortable knowledge of um, white privilege that we knew we had to an extent, but I don't think anywhere near what we are waking up to at the moment. So um, we'll play that for you because these are the kind of conversations I think that need to start taking place to make things move forward a little. Thank you for joining us, you bloody legends. <laughs> Love you sick. Tutti frutti. You're on Kiss. It is a 3pm pickup. It is Yumi and Monty here with you today. And it's all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. I sound like I have a raging cold, but I don't. I mean, complete and utter overwhelm. I'm embarrassed and I'm confronted and I've never felt more out of control in my whole life. I don't think I've ever been affected by anything more than what is happening in the world right now. And you, me, I've been starting to educate myself because I realise how completely uneducated I am when it comes to racism and my own knowledge on anything outside my own world, to be honest. And so I'm just sitting in this confronting, uncomfortable knowledge of how unknowledgeable I am. And you and I have spoken over several times, you know, you'll pull me up sometimes and you'll go, Monty... That's really hurtful, what you said. And then I sometimes get my back up and I'll go, oh. And then I'll walk away and go, yeah, you're right. How can I ever know what it is like to be a minority in a room? Besides being a woman, that's the only way I can slightly get close to what it would feel like to constantly be a minority. And white privilege doesn't isn't just related to black people. You know what I mean? I think when you go, oh, yeah, I've got white privilege, we automatically go, well, if you're, you know, it's around black people, but it's absolutely around anyone who's not white, including mm. yourself, Yumi. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, I don't even know what I want to say or what I'm feeling. I just feel this mess of emotions in my head and I've been thinking about you so much and my heart like, for how often you're in a room feeling unrepresented, how often you open a website, look at a website or turn on the TV or open a magazine and there's no one like you and I never have to think of it and that is only the top of a million things that happen in my day that I never think about. Oh, Yumi, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is such a hot mess, but I I'm so struggling today. I can see you struggling, Monty, and I know a lot of people are struggling, um, but I'm okay. You're okay. I think today we need to look after um, people who aren't okay, which is, f- for one, closer to us is Indigenous people here in Australia yeah. who I think really deserve, uh, I think, like, if you can, if you want to put a metaphor on it, when you see the protests in America, it's often a clearly black-skinned person kneeling in protest 
and the cops are pointing guns at these people. And then you see a white person who's clearly white-skinned kneeling in front of the black person to protect them. Mm-hmm. And as a metaphor, that's what Indigenous Australia needs us to do. Yeah. Okay? And so I think we really need to um, do the work in finding out how to be that person kneeling in front of and protecting yeah. Indigenous Australians. And there's lots of ways to find out. So um, knowing we need to learn is the first step. I um, am still doing homeschooling at the moment, Yumi. Yeah. And one of the um, classes, my little boy, it's Marbo Day today. Mm. And um, I didn't know that. But I don't know anything. Um, I wasn't really taught about our history in school. And I haven't gone out to seek and find out about it myself. And I sat there with my eight-year-old and learned the same as what he was learning this morning. <laughs> And it was confronting, to say the least. So, I know that this hour is your light relief. I understand that. And we hear from you and say thank you. You know, when your days are hard, you tune into the pickup. And we will bring you that, we promise. But there is stuff that we can't ignore at the moment. So, we will cover at all today on the 3 p.m. pickup. <laughs> Good out, Monty. Well done. That was really top-notch broadcasting. 